Okay, welcome to the Punch Touch Podcast. Real fans, real talk. We dissect, dive deep and discuss juicy bits of gossip and news from the world of boxing and MMA. I'm Coach T, I'm your host and welcome to a crazy ride of adventure. Real fans, for the fans. Let's go! Hey, it's the Punch Touch Podcast. It's the Punch Touch Podcast. Welcome, welcome everybody to another fantastic episode of Punch Touch Podcast. Yes, and I'm your host, Coach T, season two, episode 13. And of course, riding shotgun in this beautiful Cadillac what we call the sweet science of boxing, this vehicle, this this platform, whatever you want to call it, the spaceship, space shuttle. I've got with me one of the greatest, always PBA Super World, Super Welterweight Championship, our Junior Middleweight Championship and WBO World Junior Middleweight Championship and the Ring Junior Middleweight Championship. A lot on the line. Uh, we've got Charlo, 31 years of age, Castino, 32 Five foot eleven for Charlo, five seven for the Argentinian. Um, both orthodox. Ugh, I mean, Charlo's got. He he's meant to have the power, eighteen knockouts out of his thirty four wins. But Castino El Boxy's got twelve knockouts out of his seventeen wins, which puts the power in his ratio. And um, it was a it was a barnstormer. Um, like you saying, it exceeded my expectations as well. Um, I thought it was really good the way Charlo came out. With the body work, he went straight to the body. Did you notice that, Farmer? Yes, he did. He did. He is body, body, all traditional way. Work that body, get their arms down. Then he came over the top, didn't he? He, he was elusive. Um, you just get out of range. His footwork is wonderful. Yes. Um, he had good footwork. Back to the fundamentals, which Derek James is very, very good at. He teaches his fight his fundamentals. To do tough body. That that that. I don't know what the Mexican call that black American style, very lucid in their movement, but their footwork. And then you, you use your move, your, your, your lateral movement with your, with your waist and, and move movement of your feet and arms in sync with each other. And he did that. He was out of range at the prime time, but when he attacked, it was vicious. If you understand what I mean, people, it was, it was full blown. Sometimes you would, we, Pitter patter with a jab, and but no, he meant every blow. Then he came out of range, he went back in. It was counter fighting stroke offensive at the same time. It was, it was a strange style. I kind of, he always, Charlo's got, um, he reminds me of of the great, um, oh, what are they from St. Louis, the brothers, um, oh, one, one fought Muhammad Ali, um. And he beat him. Spinks. Spinks. Kind of, I mean, Michael Spinks. Michael Spinks. Got that Michael Spinks style about him. I don't he got that Michael Spinks style that is, is, is upright standing and how he delivers his punches. Very similar to Michael Spinks. That's my observation. Yeah, it was a um, great fight. I mean, you know, was, he was also very game, but he just didn't have the will and the skill to, to out... Um, to outdo to out Charlo, it was it was a great great performance, a really great performance. Mm, I agree, it really was, and, and that footwork, um, man, you're absolutely right, Farmer. I'm telling you, you got you got those those nutritional seeds of knowledge there, and it and it was true. I witnessed the difference was the footwork. I mean, there were times where um, he got himself into a bit of a tear up with with um, uh, uh, Castan Castano and. And that tear up kind of like sometimes it could favor Castano because he was catching Charlo a couple of times. But when he went on the fundamentals and, and the, the box and especially the footwork and keeping that range, that, that range was really good, really nullified that, that type of Rocky Balboa bull Russian type of thing, you know, that the Argentinian was doing. Really good fight, a uh, close fight as well. Jabs were beautiful. Um, it all come to a little bit of a heady heady situation in um i believe it was round 10 it was a round 10 uh, heavy hook to the body then the head drops um castino and it was like a double hook body head and it was like a delayed reaction as well 
it was like a delayed reaction and then he crumbled and it, I think it just completely shook his equilibrium. And then Castino got back up and then Charlo just rushed him. He was not letting him off the hook that time. Like that, that fish had got caught and he was about to fry it up and he did fry it up and he finished the fight once um, Castino got up the first time and case closed. So um, you wanted to speak about this. We spoke about this off air. Let's, um, you know, um, uh, let's talk about some of the fundamentals uh, with Derek James, the trainer. I mean, his his accolades. You know his accolades really well. He's 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 working with like uh, the truth, Earl Spence Jr. Um, he, he's 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 very good in his preparation. Derek James. He's he's good with the jab as well. That's one of his fundamentals: combination punching and and also volume punching as well. And inside fighting, I really like his inside fighting. Um, I mean, you know of quite a few accolades that he's he's accomplished. I think he got Trainer of the Year 2017, I believe. I, I find it very, very difficult, anyone to touch him right now, to have not just average, outstanding, seven belts out of eight. Seven belts out of the year. Just got one more. I think he'd be one of the very few modern-day trainers of Errol Spence, admittedly, overcomes uh, Terence Bud Crawford. That'd be a higher feat. But if he does... You're talking two undisputed um, champions in your in your um, camp, and let's be fair, the other Charlo brothers better than this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people may say that, you know, to be yeah. honest. And you know, he concentrate on his camp. I remember, he's had Errol Spence from a young lad. He's had him as a as a young a young well, young lad, and he's he's just drums the fundamentals, fundamentals, fun. And your his fighters are tough. Charlo are tough, and also um, Errol Spence, very, very tough, very, very, very t- I can't explain, very, um, I call them Hagler-esque. You know, they're Hagler-esque, because Hagler was tough, wasn't he? You could throw bombs at Hagler, it just seemed to bounce off him. You could never knock at Hagler out, you know, in, in, in his prime. He was a tough man to fight. So, yeah, they got that about, they're very tough mentally as well. Um because look, a couple of times Errol Spence have come from adversity with um, our own Cal Brook. You know, he did struggle with Cal, but he came back um, in a foreign soil in England and he turned that, turned, that, turned that fight around. It's a tough, tough fight. He came back from his bad car accident. Um, he fought some good, tough fighters and, and, and beat them. So, um, yeah, Derek, James right now needs to get some accolades again because that to have two... Egos, because let's be honest, boxing is about egos. No matter what they say in the camera and off air and support each other, it's about egos, isn't it? I'm not saying, I'm not, please, for not one minute, I'm not going to say not friends and they don't get on, but boxing is a very individualistic sport, isn't it? So you've got mm. a lot of egos there, haven't you? You're going to have a lot of, it's going to be concentrate on me, concentrate on me. It's probably, I'm not sure if Derek James has a big camp of fighters, but what he produces are gems. And, um, Coach T, I don't know what you think about that. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think he produces gems, and um, he, I've also got one of his quotes in front of me. One of his quotes is, "All the struggles, all the battles of life, are faced in boxing." Wow. So wow. he's quite he's quite cerebral like that, you know. He lives and breathes the sweet the sweet science, the craft. Well, he obviously knows what he's talking about because. He's producing um, the, some great, not great, great, great fighters who, you know, if um, they continue on their projection line, they could, they could, they're going to be, they'll be Hall of Famers. You know, they're, they're mm. like three or fights each being back, you know, Hall of Famers, especially if um, Errol Spence beats Crawford and that he wiped out one four. 147 division, he got to 154, start over again. He definitely has capabilities of doing that. And Charlo goes up to 154, probably goes up to 168, they're arguing about, or 160, you know. Um, there's not much challenge in 160, but 168, there's, there's a lot of killers there. And if they can go up and produce the goods again, wow, doing it twice? I can see Errol Spence doing it in 154. Um, possibly Charlo challenging the 168 or 160. So they can do it twice. Imagine that, getting two fighters in your camp I've got four undisputed between two. That's unheard of. Mm. It is. It is, and it just—it's just because just he's what he's—he's good at what he does. The 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 results speak for themselves, don't they? Yeah, hands down, hands down, it does. 
And um, I don't know, I don't know what his secret is. Um, he always says the fundamentals. He's always harped on about that. Sometimes we we hear that and we roll our eyes. It's like your mum and dad telling you off and all about something. You roll your eyes, but he, as he says, to learn boxing, you have to have the fundamentals. You have to have your defense. You know your your footwork, and that's what his fighters have got. And they're also very, very, very well conditioned. We need to put that in there as well, right? To be a great mm-hmm. fighter in this world, you have to be well conditioned. Not a three, four round fight, a little spectacular, a four and five. These guys can go 12 rounds, 12. They get dirty for 12 and they can also get dirty in the latter stages of the fight. These guys are well conditioned, well drilled and well manicured in, in their art. Yes, yes, they are. Absolutely right, mate. I agree. It's because it's a sweet science. It's the sweet science. I mean, you need talent. You need, I think you do. It helps to have God-given talent, if you want to call it that. But you also need discipline. You know, sometimes hard work beats talent. I mean, how many times have we heard that? It really makes a difference. So, Palmer. It does beat talent, but also you have to have the aptitude and the attitude to to um can do that how many mm. athletes and football players have got great skill and talent but these guys are are living um eating and sleeping like three episodes ago coach T we discussed um um about Errol Spence he got himself from the city and now he has a farm yes yes that's right oh he lives he lives that cerebral clear free lifestyle he spends so much time with his kids he goes out horse riding, you know, he, he's there and he knows he's got three or four years left in the game. Then he can do what he wants because he'll have about 20, 30 million in the bank and his family will be sorted out, his friends will be sorted out and he'll be sorted out because his mental state of mind and his mental well-being it is in the right place. So when you bring that from your house to, to the gym, you're, you're almost unbeatable, aren't you? Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Especially like because it's like he found himself in it. There's many times where, not just boxers, but people that 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 rise to a a um, a fame that comes with uh, a material gain to it as well can self destruct. Yeah, especially in music, artists, you know, creative types do find something to try and fill a void that cannot be filled filled with any amount of material gains. You have to find yourself. He, um, yeah, absolutely. He, he, I mean, I just got to throw it out there. He got a young little fighter as well by the name of Burley Brooks is on their ranks. Um, I can't remember what weight. I think he's a welterweight or a lightweight. He's he's another little prodigy coming out of their gym. So look out for him. I'll say it again. His name Burley Brooks. Burley Brooks. Is that from the Derek James? Derek James. Yeah, they're, they're earmarked. He's 6-0. and oh. Um, he's got five knockouts, so he's pretty dangerous. So, um, yeah, his fighting camp isn't big, but as Coach T always says, he produces gems. Yeah, he does. He does produce gems because he seems like he's um, he's getting them to dig deep. Um, speaking of gems, like the, <laughs> episode 13, time to put the boots on. And I've called it time to put the boots on because I'd like to talk about a young man called Jerome. Boots Ennis. Uh, he's got um, 28 wins, no losses, no draws. Um, he was in the final eliminator for the IBF World Welterweight Championship, which is being held by one of them big dogs, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Earl Spence. Uh, and speaking of the big dogs, you know what? I, let me go back a little bit. I forgot to mention this. Um, oh man, I got this in my notes and I thought it was such a great thing to, to see. As we go back, let's go back, rewind back. Jamal Charlo versus Brian Castino too, yeah? We were just talking about this, guys. A unification of this magnitude as undisputed has not been done since mm. Winky Wright in 2004. Yeah, and, yeah. that's a long time ago. And and um, in 2004, and and the first, it will be the first. Like I think he was about to allude it being the first in the four belt era. Four belt era, yeah, yeah. Four. Yes, yeah, absolutely right. So not since Winky Wright. I don't know if anyone remembers Winky Wright. 
of Southpaw, great high def high guard defense, brilliant fighter. My God, I mean the guy, you know, he he did have a he did have a slight type type of a Villina caramelish milkshake type of complexion, but this guy was man, he was a dark light. He he was a very very good pugilist, very very good, good. indeed. Yes, so get that fact out of the way. I thought that was worth sharing because I think it's uh, it's just to add to you know to the the magnitude of what Derek James has done and not just him but also the, the boxers Charlo you know that that's that's no mean feat like it's really really history changing stuff so back to let's put the boots on time to put the boots on Jerome Ennis Jerome Boots Ennis he fought a, a gentleman um called uh, Castillo War Machine Clayton what a name War Machine that, oh, that's a man only in America yeah <laughs> Castillo War Machine Clayton. Clayton's 19, no losses and only one draw. So he's not farmer. He ain't he hasn't tasted defeat. I, I believe he's a former Olympian as well. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what his stats were, but you you mentioned to me that this guy may be some form of uh, a challenge because he's he comes to fight. He's a decent guy, he's strong and he's got a good pedigree. I remember you mentioned. Yeah, I mean he, he, he's stepping up. I mean he's uh, I'm not trying to put a blight on um, uh, on, on Mr. Ennis at all. It, and I, I listened to what Errol Spence and Crawford said, and they're right, really. I need to. Sometimes we get blurred with how because he's a beautiful boxer at Philadelphia. We all anybody in boxing understanding is like from England, Liverpool. Um, produced great fighters, and Philadelphia's the same. That smaller city, um, Philadelphia's, you know. Remember the old Rocky? I know it's fictional, but it's all that from that Philadelphia. That tough, tough is a tough city. Produced some wonderful fighters in the past, and um, he's got that. But there's a only asterisk next to him, Coach T. He's not fought anyone of any standing, and we need to be re realistic here. Yeah, that's why it's time to put boots on. It's time <laughs> to put the boots on. That's why. Okay. You're, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. I, I think it's I think it's a bit overdue. I understand that it was a IBF World uh, Welterweight Championship. It was a final eliminator. So he, I know he you can only beat who's in front of you with regards to you know he, he wants to be the guy a mandatory spot. So you got to beat someone to get there. I understand that, but you're right. I think it's time. I think it's time you get some of the big dogs. Maybe even like a. Like a Furman, I'd like to see that, you know. I don't yeah, I personally like to see that. I really like to see that because I don't believe he's going to get the other two. Mm, yeah. Uh, Errol Spence will fight Crawford and he'll leave and he go up. Do you, and, do you, go on, sorry, go on. And if Crawford don't fight him, he's just out of spitefulness because Errol Spence can't hang on at 147. He just can't. He's, he, he's got one more in him. And then he's going up to 154, man. Uh, he's not, he's made, if you follow what he says, you know, he's, 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 he shreds his body. I mean, a guy walks around, it's 160 plus, you know, that's all. Yeah, so 154 would be more suited to him and he'd be a dangerous um, proposition there, I personally believe, for anyone in the light middleweight. Um, and I believe he can go 160 as well. I really believe Errol Spence can do 147, 154, 160. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not kissing your bum bum today, but I am agreeing with you a lot today because I yeah. think you are speaking the truth, yeah. and that happens to be his nickname. He is the truth. So Ennis is unfortunately, or fortunately, Mister Mister Play a little bit, but it's good. I mean, I don't know about Mister Crawford if you hang around for any longer. Will he go one five four possibly? But Terence is getting on. Terence mm. got the skill, uh, and but Ennis is twenty four. He's hungry, he's really hungry, and he's very, very skillful. I mean, he's to win a golden glove twice. I mean, you've got silver medal, um, gold medal, and I believe you've got some sort of other international. Um, he, he's a very, very talented, and he's talked about heavily in America at the moment. Um, and we all know when the Americans talk about, especially with the stroke welterweights, because they love their welterweights, and let's be fair, some of the mm -hmm. great come from that country, whether we like it or not, is the truth, you know. Um, they've quite dominated that 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 um that's their like marquee that's like their marquee weight division and he is magnificent to watch on the eye uh, and 
Will he be tested? The, the, the big guns are all at the other side of 30 now. Um, will he be avoided? As um, Sean Porter said, I would avoid him. That's why probably Sean Porter retired, because he really, really rates Ennis. You know, mm. can't see Errol Spence um, jeopardising his legacy. Not that Errol will run away from him, because it won't. But I strongly don't feel Errol can get up for that down to that 147 after coming up to possibly fight Spence, I mean um, Crawford. That's not. I don't. I think he's got more to lose than gain to fight. Yeah, um, but why would why would you if you're taking on arguably the pound for pound king Terence Crawford in many bodies' eyes for the last seven eight years? You've you've climbed Everest, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Have, haven't you? Why would you come back? You just, it's just too, the risk reverse. No, no. And plus, Terence has got the belt. That, ah, you got it. Terence has got the belt. So why I wouldn't be interested in this personally for my legacy. Get Terence. Get him out there. Go one five four. Or Terence can t- have the lot itself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because the gate can swing both ways, can't it? But of course it can. So that that would be a great fight. So Innis has got um some still got some potential killers coming up. We've got our own. We've got our own little Ben, haven't we? You know, that'd be a good tear up. Um, we got mm. the the other um. Oh. I think I think Ennis would have him though. I ain't gonna lie. With with twenty eight. 28 victories and one thing about Ennis um, he's got 26 KOs at a 28 at welterweight that's a 93% knockout ratio at welterweight is it's quite it's quite interesting it's very interesting um, I call it scary oh. yeah then you got another killer mine in that division the young Mexican American um, by the name of Virgil Ortiz Jr I, I really yeah. yeah but Rico Farmer, we didn't even tell people what happened on that fight. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we didn't even get, <laughs> get carried away with it. Yeah, so the was bro- I. Bromance, the bromance. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but it was a short fight, guys. It was like it ended in round two. Um, Ennis came out. He, he came out, switched stance. He was switching stances as well, having a look. He was dominating it, and it was very, very, very easy. Didn't look in trouble. Won the first round. Second round, he um, he faked a jab and he went over the top of his right hand and hit the um, the quarter. It was like the top of the head. It was like you know that Golovkin punch when Golovkin hits the top of the head, but this was not far from the 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 ear. So it wasn't a rabbit punch. It wasn't a back of the head, but it was it was away from the forehead, which completely scrambled the war machine's processes. Like he he was scrambled. He went down. He tried to get up. He rolled around like he was having a mud bath, and then he eventually got up. And then he did the Bambi dance, you know, like like you know, like a giraffe that's just been born on on a savanna. And and the ref called it off, you know. He had to call it off. And um, yeah, it was case closed. That's it. Easy night's work. Yeah. So, but what what would you see for him? Oh, okay, I know I probably jumped the gun a little bit, Coach T. So, what do you see from Mister Ennis' next fight? Um, well, he, he wants, he, he wants a belt. He obviously wants a belt. Uh, he's, you know, he's in the mandatory spot now for IBF. So I think he's going to wait and see, isn't it? I think he, I think he'll wait and see, especially the outcome of, um, the, the, the two big dogs. Wait and see what happens. Uh, I mean, if Crawford gets it, more chance that Crawford will stay at that weight and, and maybe, you know, deal with him there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crawford, Crawford have two absolute Wolverines to fight because he's got one fight which you, we can't, as I mentioned, his name, Virtual uh, 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 That's right. Only fighter right now has got 100% knockout. Man. That's right, people. Well, he's for 18 times, 18 knockouts. That's vicious, isn't it? It's very that's, vicious. That's, that's, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> That, that that's power he carries power and he um people also need to be aware he was also voted the ring magazine hottest prospect 2019 they really see something special so if we got him and ennis having a fight oh my wow that's ran against um sugar ray leonard i can't see that going to points to be honest i don't think that's going to points and and to say that about a welterweight contest that is <laughs> oh, there's a lot of power to weight ratio going on. There. The trilogy going there with them too. Mm. 
the two big guns go. If Thurman wants to be in the mix, crack on, bro. And if um, young Ben wants to have a pop, he could be like a never a Hearns. Remember, we had Hearns, Duran, Sugar Ray. It could be that era again, mouth-watering. Do you know what I mean? And throw a little sprinkle haggler for them at the one, one time, bounce around you know the, 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 those those sort of um, divisions, those sort of weights. Oh, mate, it'd be mouthwatering. But yeah, Ortiz against Innis will be absolutely blockbuster. Yes, I agree, definitely, definitely. But um, yeah, I, I think that's his best move. Is really, I don't know if he's gonna do if he's gonna have a fight. I like, I don't think he needs a warm up fight. I don't. I think the best thing he can do now is is kind of wait to see what happens when the dust settles. And to see um, who, who rises and then take it from there. Um, speaking about taking it from there, um, let's talk about some upcoming fights. We've got a, we've got a British showdown. It's going to be Ooh. shown on DAZN, uh, the O2 Arena, London, United Kingdom, May the 21st. So that's that's only around the corner. It's not too far away this weekend coming up. I believe DAZN's got that. Eddie and his people, them. Eddie and his people. Uh, we've got uh, Boatsy. Bawatsi versus the Spider Richards. Uh, what's Bawatsi's nickname? I think that's where I Bawatsi's is all business. I think his nickname's um, um, Joshua All Business Bawatsi versus uh, the Spider Richards. Uh, this is an interesting one. Bawatsi, Bawatsi's had a bit of a fanfare. He's he's had more of the fanfare, more of the um, I think more of like the support and resources on his rise. He's fifteen and zero. Um, first yeah. of all, this this is a um, this is a a, a a light heavyweight, so there's going to be quite a bit of bang bang in this. And we've got um, the Spider Richards. He's 17 with two losses and one draw. One of those losses was to Bivol, who we may probably speak about. We'll speak about Bivol and Caneno later, but that was that was to Bivol, and that was on points. And he showed up. He done well. He done well. I know Bivol was out for about a year and a half, but Bivol did not run him over completely. It wasn't a complete domination thing. It didn't go down like that. And um, for me, I think that was a, a coming out party for for Richards, even though he lost, because I think he established himself to be at a certain level, to to be in the mix, at least be competitive in the mix. So we've got uh, thirteen knockouts out of fifteen for Boatsy. That's a decent knockout ratio. Very and true. then we've got 10 knockouts out of 17 for the Spider. So he's got 59%. So the power seems to be with Boatsy. Um, respectively, Boatsy, like I said, he's 15 and no, but his class is like number nine for the ring. Um, these are like uh, uh, rankings and stuff. Uh, WBA, uh, light heavyweight WBA, he's number three. WBC, he's number four. WBO, he's number six. And the IBF, he's number two. Wow. Yeah, he's he's in the top ten in all four belts. He's in the top ten, um, including the ring as well. Make it five. I'm gonna call that type of popularity belt. Um, and then we've got uh, the Spider. He's number seven in the WBA, and he's number fourteen in the WBC. So I think most of the money, if I was a betting man, most of the money is going to be on Boatsy. Because I think the fanfare is with him. I agree with that. But personally, um, before I say my opinion, what, what do you think about this fight, first of all, Father? What do you think? Um, Richard is, is, is a super medaweight coming up to light heavy. Um, Boatsy's well schooled. Remember, people, 2016, he was a bronze medalist. So his fundamentals and his amateur pedigree is very, very high. Yes. And made a very good transition. He's um he's relevant is the best word I can say. He's relevant in, in, in the light heavyweight division. So uh, you know, you'll be knocking on the door of one of the belts soon. This is a good, good, good old dust up British dust up. Um not I call it one layer under a world title. So the, this is a great um a great build up for them when they go to higher um higher echelons and higher means and higher was higher grounds in her career. Uh, I think it's a 60-40 fight. I think um, Boatsy is more definitely the favourite and f- a favourite to him because of the weight. 
Richards have come up. He has come up. He hasn't fought many um, light heavyweights. He made a good account of himself against Bivol, but as I said, Bivol was inactive for almost two years. But he did a good, a good account. Um, he didn't win many rounds. Watsi might make a statement. I really think he's going to make a statement with this one because I think he's ready to go up again. Because he has a talent, definitely has a power to to bother people in the light heavyweight division, and his fundamentals are pretty sharp. But I don't know. I think it's sixty forty, Coach T. In my opinion. Mm, I, I think that will be the general consensus. Um, I think the general consensus will be sixty forty favoring Boatzi to win. Um, I think Richards is going to win this. I do. I think the spider is going to win it. And what what makes you say that? What gives I, you? I, th- I, th- I think he's. I think his range. I think his range is good, and I, and I think his uh, his infighting is underrated. Um, he 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 was doing quite a bit of infighting with Bivol, and and he was decently effective. Uh, I think he was effective. I think he's deceptively strong. He's got that. He's got that slim type of, not skinny, but he's got that wiry, slim scaffolder strength. You know, yeah. I, I I do. I think he's deceptively strong. The power does seem to be with Boatzi, but at light heavyweight. One punch can change things. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a fair um, breakdown, I think. I'm just going through someone's used to light heavyweight. His fundamentals a little bit better. Um, Richards is motivated, no doubt about it. If anyone's been watching the build-up to this, and the face-off was quite interesting, very, very motivated. I think Bivol, uh-huh. I think the Bivol fight has given him a lot of confidence. Because to me, I mean, he's gone in with one of the best fighters on the planet and had a great account of himself. So he's thinking, hang on, if I can go 12 rounds of Bivol, you know, he didn't really hurt me that much. What can Boatsy really do to me? Could come in with that motivation, just got to work on my little fundamentals, just um, sharpen my skill sets. I can give this guy a good, a, a good, um, a good fight. Mm. But I still... My, my mind, brain says 60-40, but on the night, you know, I just want to see a good tear-up in Coach T, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think we will, because I, I don't think they like each other anyway. Gone by the build-up. Yeah, I, I see one's not too bad, but one's got a little bit of envy. <laughs> bit, um, and when you've got that little bit of envy, it's a bit like... Um, um, Tyson Fury, overlooked by the um, British Board of Boxing, the Amateur Board of Boxing. He was never given a chance. Uh, his dad openly says because of his um, heritage it, background. That it just been classified and stereotyped. Stereotypes and blah, blah, blah. And he was the best boxer in the country and he never got to the Olympics. And I feel Richard's got that feeling that, hang on, I didn't make it and I was good enough and I got overlooked and nobody knows me. You know, so, but it's down to management team. It's down to who's going to you know, um, promote you better. But he's got that bit of envy. He's got one of those sinfulness in his body. He's going to really produce the goods. Um, and we all know, traditionally, you know, Biazzi at times don't turn up at his fights. I hope he doesn't, because sometimes he can be lacklustered. Mm. Uh, so, uh, he has he has been famed for that, and he said that he's working on that, because they say he's a, such a nice person. He's such a laid-back guy. It appears that he's not really keen. But he's going into big, strong waters now. Because if he wins this fight, he'll be knocking on door for world title. Mm, well, I mean, damn, he's he's in the mix of all the belts. He's yeah, in that's the what top I'm saying. Ten of every belt in light heavyweight. That's no small thing to sniff at. I think that's quite good maneuverability. <laughs> and it's all according how well he does. Because as I'm going to repeat myself, because this Richard went twelve rounds with Bivol, and if Watts can get him out of three. He, he said, "Hey, hey, look at me! Come on, he's, hey. he's he's number four for the for the money belt, the WBC. Yeah. He's number four. But the yeah. Double, yeah, the other two, the other, the other. Well, you got um, what's his name? Um, the, the American. The what's American. his name? Okay. The the um, the American that's going to be having a fight with um, better okay. better Biv. Yeah, they're fighting for three belts, aren't they? Yes. Yeah." So, and I don't think, I think there'll be a step aside money because once whoever wins that, I've got to find Bivol, you know, because that's got, they have to have an dispute in that division. They have to. Well, it's, it's getting close. You can't, you have to have it. To make credibility for boxing, you've got to have September, October, um, undefe- um, 
just um a four belt fight and um yeah that'd be good that'd be good for boxing especially light heavyweight because it's, it's come alive it's been dead for many many years yes i agree i mean it's, to be honest the only time it was great when mr spinks was dominating it so um and then what about the others that are around the um, periphery like where's anthony yard again is he gone where's where's lyndon arthur again is he he's not yard, coming back and for yard be nice to see him fight um Boatsy. you know i thought He's he's knocking on the door, isn't he? He's fought for world title. He went, didn't he? He fought, he fought Kolev, Kolev. So um, yeah, he's he's relevant. Yeah, yeah. And, and he he and to see him against Lyndon Arthur, he looked like a different person. He completely, his mind was sharp. He, oh, he was he was very very good. He he's definitely up there to take on some of the big guns. Yeah, the light heavyweight division worldwide right now. It's got some good fights out there, a lot of good fights, and a lot of money to be made from all of them. You know, mm. personally speaking, I will, if I was Yard, fight Grazzi. That'd be a massive money fight in Britain. Mm. It would be. It if would be. Richards. Why, why wouldn't it? That'd be a lovely eliminator for a world title. You know? Mm. Do you know what's interesting? I've just looked at these, these stats that i got in front of me. Um, We've got, um like... Richards debuted in 2015. Boazzi debuted in 2017. Boazzi's only had 65 pro rounds, and, and he's only had 15. He's had 15 fights, 15 wins. Uh, you know, Richards has had 17, but he's had 111 pro rounds. Who Richards have? Yeah, that's quite a lot. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. So um, it may be a testament that the, the, he hasn't been banging out everyone like that. I mean, he's only got 10 KOs out of 17. But Waxy's got 13 KOs out of 15. You know, so, uh, you know, he, he's had, he's had a, I mean, his last five fights, he's had a, he, he won a technical knockout in the sixth round. He, he lost a unanimous decision 12, or, you know, in 12 rounds against Bivol. And then he got a technical knockout in round nine. He got a unanimous decision in round 12 and a technical knockout in round three in his last five fights. So he's been knocking out people quite early. TKO at round three, TKO around six. Um, his power seems to come through. Maybe he's a type of breakdown type of fire because he was knocking people out at round nine and he got a unanimous decision on in round 12. And Boazzi is a... Well, Boazzi's got a TKO round 11. He's got a TKO in round four, TKO in round four, TKO round seven and a KO round seven. So he's a bit of a... More of a firecracker, you know? Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, the rounds are interesting. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, that, I don't know how you can read into that. He's got a mi the miles in his legs, the miles in his mind. Um, 111 compared to 65. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It's a who do you fight? Are you fighting, no disrespect, the Mexican, you know, row sweepers, or are you fighting a competitive fight? Are they being competitive? I mean, I know Boatsy's, you say the 13 knockouts, but a lot mm. of them, they haven't been clean knockouts. Where like Virgil Ortiz earlier on, they've been clean knockouts. Yes, yes, yes. The type of the type of knockouts put people in a recovery position. Sometimes, you know, come on, home soil. You give a guy four or five combinations. Next minute, the referee's stopping the fight. Come on, oh. man. he could have gone on a bit further. Do you know what I mean? So you have to bear that in mind. But um, oh yeah, Coach T. To be fair, I put my hand up. Um, got my mouth watered with this one. To be honest, I I, I wasn't taking. I wasn't really paying attention, but I'm going to pay attention this Saturday. Because uh, it's, it's, I, I think it's, um, if, if, if Craig, the Spider Richards, if he beats Boazzi, that is a very big thing for him. He, I believe he's got more to gain than Boazzi has in this fight, personally. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, yeah. But, but he, he's, the only thing with Craig... And I'm not knocking him. He's got about 11 fights against British fighters. Um, so is the British pedigree. I mean, if you go down on, on the scales, he's, he fought um, James Charles English, Scott Douglas English, uh, British, Kieran Gray, Richard Horton, Dalton Miller, Adam Jones. Um, Adam Higgins. This goes, list goes on. About 13 of his fighters are from the UK. So, so it sounds like cool. Um, sounds like he's been doing his apprenticeship. It sounds like to me. 
And what about Boatsy? Can you see with Boatsy? Have he had the UK? You should have. I think he probably had a mix. I would have said Boatsy. Um, I, I, I'm honest, I'm not too familiar with Boatsy's. Um, I'm trying to think. He, he's had, um, yeah, he's had a mixture. Yeah, he's had a mixture. He's had French and, um, sorry, Mexican, um, Croatian, Canadian. Um, yeah, he's only had one um, New Zealand, Australian. Yeah, he's had a definite mixture around the world, to be fair. Um, oh. yeah. Well, maybe that's what's put him in the um in the spot. Fifteen fights, fifteen wins, and he's managed to find um he's managed to be able to be in the top ten of every belt. That's not that's not bad work to a progress ratio, is it? <laughs> that's not yeah bad. yeah. But um, who's who's the under? Is he under her? Um, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Always get a little bit dodgy. Either under Hearn or Warren. Mm. <sighs> If he's on the Warren, apologize, viewers. Mr. Warren has this ability to have um, his fighters run rightly, where wrongly, <laughs> on home soil a lot, and very ha well handpicked. And he makes his boxers money, but sometimes the talent is not as great as the sorry, the opponents aren't as great as what they should be. So, but if he's building them gently and slowly, I think this Saturday we shall find out where he sits on the ledger. Mm, and, and speaking about um, that ledger, if we was to um, flick back a couple of pages across that ledger with um, uh, Kaleno and Bivol, th that fight, um, we didn't really speak about that fight. And, and we're talking about this fight because Craig, Craig was in the ring with, with Bivol. And that's no mean feat. And he went 12 rounds. And yeah, Bivol was out for a while but still doesn't make his jab or his straight punches less effective. Um, I was talking uh, with you about, you know, um, your thoughts about that fight, and, and um, you felt that um, Kileno has been done kind of hard by uh, on the aftermath of him losing this this fight as he's gone up in weight. Yeah, I just feel boxing commentators and journalism right now has been very, very lazy. And they're not like in the 80s where they were f understanding the sport really well. Yeah, and it's quite critical. I'm going to be quite a little bit controversial here, Coach T. I think they should start telling the story as it is. We've got a young man in Canelo, right? He's coming through the ranks and he's for all comers. He's from light middleweight. Let's get this right. He's gone from light middleweight to middleweight and to super middleweight, right? Super middleweight was probably his highest weight. Then he took a challenge, took on a killer at the time where everyone avoided. His name's Kobolev, a light heavy, and he beat him, knocked him out, you know. And he's gone again in Bivol, who's the best in the light heavyweight, you know, and he's looking to go somewhere in the cruiserweight after if he'd done. He, he doesn't do any easy routes. And people didn't understand that. Everyone said, oh, he's hot favourite. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? This guy's... But when he lost the fight, they're saying, oh, his aura's gone, this gone. And they never... They never um, Lacks, they never lauded how how good Bivol is. Bivol's one of the best amateur fighters that's come out of Russia in decades. Right? But a lot, a lot of people were saying that Bivol's not going to be able to handle the fanfare. He's not going to be able to handle this pressure, the lights. He's not going to know this stage. Yeah, There's A but, lot of people downplaying him, to be honest. Yeah, they were. But they forget his experience. And, and anyone knows boxing who follows the sport, all the top trainers said Bivol's... Um, is um his range is probably the best in boxing. He's got fabulous range, fabulous range. management. And, and this is where journalists need to switch on. When trainers are saying how good this guy's range is, his defense, he doesn't get hit really. If he does, he, he's, he's he, you know, at times he can be lazy. Yeah. But he's going against one of the best fighters. But before to tell you, it was a good fight, but his weight, he, he's not big enough for me. It's not big enough for the weight. And a good bigger, there'll always be a good little one. But the gripe I'm getting is that, like the Johnny Nelsons and and even um, Hearn and people like that, they were, they weren't, they were just instead of um, saying how bivol, how good he is and how dangerous the, the fight could be, they were lambasting Canel in a, in a little sneaky way, and then they won't give this guy credit. He's not dodged anyone. Sorry about that. He's not That's dodged right. anybody, right? In, in in over a decade. Remember, he's been fighting for 10 years, I've been beaten. 
57 wins. He's got 57 wins, one loss, and two draws. You know, too bad, is it? 39 wins by KO. Some people may have said that Triple G one, that that first one was a bit dodgy. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but it was a close fight. Still a close fight. Yes, yes, it was. He still went in against the killer. Everybody avoided Triple G. Let's make it clear, people. Everybody avoided Triple G. Yeah, because when Triple G lost, they're all coming out of the woodwork on fighting because he's getting a... But Canelo fought him, and Canelo beat him at his own game, yeah? And Canelo went against Bivol, but he didn't... He couldn't handle the range. The range was brilliant. As what the all the pundits, boxing pundits, were saying, is his range is sublime. And you've seen that displayed quite easily. And also, the weight. The first five rounds, four or five rounds of, of the fight, Canelo put upon him, but he handled because he's a good big one against a good small one. You know, on the day of the fight, they go up quite about 15, 20 pounds, don't they? So you can, and also you can physically see the size in there. You know, I think we should give our hands together uh, and clap together and say, there's a young man who wants to be great and he's taking on all comers. You know, all comers. He's undisputed at 168. No one wanted to fight more 160. 150, what he, he dealt with that. And he's gone up to light heavyweight to get challenges. And I, I mate, and when I hear Mayweather, that riles my gut, Coach G. People know me on this on this channel. I'm not a great Mayweather fan. I don't think I'll ever will be. He handpicked. Yeah, we can talk about his great defense, this and that. But remember, he was never, ever undisputed world champion at any of his weights. So that's why he would never go down a great in my eyes. He handpicked his, he avoided people and handpicked his fighters to get his wins. But this Canelo, don't do that. He goes out there. And that's why I really, really, I love watching him. And I love seeing him put it on the line every, every time. It's like saying an example of Bivol went on to fight, um, um, to fight Tyson Fury. Go two rounds and do it. Two weights and do it. That's what Canelo have done. He's gone out of his comfort zone to give these challenges. And I think we should give him a little bit more credit what he deserves. Mm, fair point. That's a fair point. And you make a very, very good case there, you know, especially um, um, reflecting back and stating the facts of, of the people that he has fought and he has fought monsters and he's been fighting a long time, you know, with or without um, the season type of special steroid barbecue Mexican beef <laughs> as irrelevant still. But nonetheless, you know, you still have to go through the pain and you still have to get punched in the face or or suffer the potential of getting knocked the fuck out in front of your family and your friends underneath bright lights. It comes with a pressure. It really does come with a pressure. It, it, it does, man. The last, what, 20 fights? About 15 of them. I mean, world, 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 world title, world, you know, world title contenders or world champions. He's literally fought a world champion every fight. Or, how, you know, it's incredible. <laughs> that's, that's top pedigree, not the warm-up fights, he's fought world champions nearly every time he goes in that ring. People need to put that in consideration. Mm, I agree. Incredible. I agree, mate. You know, you're going in against a killer after killer after killer. That's when you get marked as a great. You know, not, not like a, a, um, a WBA you know, number one challenger. He's gone world champions. That's all he fights is world champions and beats them. Just look, go back in the archives. I'll tell anyone, get on the archives, see who's fought in the last 20 fights. You'll find most of those challenges were title holders or ex title holders, you know? Mm. Incredible. There you go. There you go. All right, um, people, that's my little, you know, I just found it a bit very, very one minute boxing sport is a very fickle one minute you're on top of the top of the game when the bells go at midnight one minute past 12 you're 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 a chum i don't like it this this guy's given us lots of sport and the way these journalists wrote about him i think it was a disgrace mm. but there you go that's and that's a fair point i think you do make a fair point there it's a very it's just it's like the mob of rome in it it's the gladiatorial whether it's an octagon or squared circle or or even if it's just a an immature adolescent um, fight, not with knives or guns, but with your fists in, in a school playground, the mob is a fickle mob. The audience is a fickle audience and they bay for blood and they bay for drama. And that's it, really. Um, but I, I think that is, uh, you know, I may have been a little bit brutal with there, but I do think that's the truth of some 
some of the casuals, you know, not not all, but that the mob of Rome, they they demand blood and they demand drama and whichever form it comes in criticism or or just scandal. It's part of it. I think it's part of the gladiatorial life. And on that note there, I think it's a perfect way to wrap this up as we review there. And um, yeah, I, I think it's been great. I, I like this episode. It's, it's, it feels like a feels like a, a type of library episode with a Guinness or two and just chilling, talking about what's happened, uh, what's to come and what happened in the past before. Um, this has been episode uh, 13. Um, time to put the boots on because um, Jerome Ennis, he does need to be put into some form of d- dungeon with some form of dread ass dragon and deal with it and see if he gets through the fire and the smoke. Uh, Farmer. Absolute pleasure having you riding on board, man. Always a pleasure, man. You, you know what it is. Coach T, you know me. I'm passionate, mate. Um, I love the sport. I love this channel. And I hope everyone else there to excuse my rants every now and then. It's my passion. Overflows the cup. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Hope you've all enjoyed this episode. And uh, take care of yourselves to you and your family. God bless. Bye-bye. Nice one. That's perfect, Farmer. And and I enjoy your rants. I can't speak for other people that press play, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we made their day, their night, their evening, wherever they were at. You know, maybe you got us in your in your your, your ears while you're running on a treadmill or, or running down a road or around a road or driving home or wherever you are, wherever you've been, whatever situation where you press play and listen to this. I, I hope you have enjoyed this journey and just giving you our perspective just our perspective and just provoking you to look a little bit deeper behind the Wizard of Oz veil of boxing, yeah? Just take a look, take a little bit, take a little look deeper, especially what the farmer was saying. Don't take the fanfare of all what the commentators are saying, especially when they're lamb blasting people. Yeah, that's what I said. I said lamb blasting because they're blasting people like lambs to the slaughter sometimes. Take a little look, get the real facts and then you understand, you know? I've been your host, Coach T. This is Punch Touch Podcast. And remember, 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 if you need some form of nutritional benefit, yeah, I'm talking about teas, herbal teas. And I ain't talking about no hot stuff because right now the weather's picking up a little bit around these shores. There's some, we've got a beautiful, beautiful selection of iced teas. Yes, I said iced teas. Have an iced tea with whatever you have with whatever you have with the iced tea. And it goes down pretty nice. Check out leafofmind.co.uk. That's leafofmind.co.uk. Be strong, be true, be you. Peace.